Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning on Rural Queensland Today. A lot to get through. Hasn't it been an interesting weekend? As expected, the no vote got up, but we are in a state of shock by the way our country has reacted. We will have a look at this. A national vote of almost 61% voting no. The voice referendum. Queensland, the largest vote. 68.79% and they spoke highly in Queensland, Um, 31% yes vote. So there will be a lot to unpack. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. Let's get into it. It's a sad day for our country and it's a sad time because we are so divided. Let's have a look at it. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin and it is Monday morning, the 16th of October. David Littleproud joins us next. Welcome back with Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. As I said to start off with at the top of the show, we were going to cover the voice referendum comprehensively today on Rural Queensland today. We'll start the show with the leader of the National Party, uh, David Littleproud, who joins us this morning. David, good morning. It wasn't a day of celebration on Saturday night. It was actually a night of complete disappointment that we were actually in the situation where it got to because we knew what the result was going to be months and months earlier. An overwhelming response from Australians uh, for the no vote. Firstly... um, Your electorate, um, it it, it was resounding. Uh, Queensland was resounding. From your leadership perspective to start off with, your take on the actual vote and the result, and then we're going to get into what's next. Yeah, look, um, this was a mistake from the Prime Minister, and he was told on numerous occasions to stop, uh, to, to reset, and not take this to the Australian people. But he arrogantly ignored uh, both myself and Peter Dutton. This wasn't the right proposition to put. Uh, and I think had it been about constitutional recognition, I think uh, the, the result would have flipped. Uh, I have every confidence in that. Uh, but it was the wrong proposition being put to the Australian people. Uh, and unfortunately, all he's managed to do in his 16 months as Prime Minister is drive up people's cost of living and divide our country. Uh, and, you know, we're not taking any victory lap, uh, despite the fact that the Nationals got to our position some 11 months ago uh, because of our lived experience and that we didn't see this as the right proposition because we have had a representative body before. It was called ATSIC. And yep. where there is disadvantage, uh, it's because ATSIC couldn't shift the dial on that. But ATSIC did do some good things. Make no mistake, we sh- as Australians shouldn't talk ourselves down. Uh, there, there has been a lot that has been achieved in closing the gap uh, over many years, uh, but it's really uh, where those 20% of Australians live in remote areas uh, that it hasn't, and that's why we have to do something different, not something we've already done. Uh, so we got to that position. It's sad, um, and you know I get that there's Indigenous Australians that are hurting, but it's important that they that they actually focus now with what the government should be doing, which is focusing on where there is disadvantage in closing that gap, and that's uh, that should be the focus of our country. Um, we should move on. Uh, but the Prime Minister should be held to account. Yeah, and, and the, the big thing about it is, um, you know, the, the the biggest thing about it is for me is that it was 
it was always going to be that way. It, it was perceived from the very start that there wasn't there wasn't a lot of appetite for it. But the arrogance because of his electorates and if you look at it, 70% of Queenslanders voted no. You know, 70%. That's not – and in strong Labor seats. Now, I will say in some areas it wasn't necessarily all about LNP and Labor. This was a vote on – we are one. Now, my mother who lives in Sydney, she lives on the harbour in Sydney, she just said never in her life could she, everybody gets the same chance in the sense of the same chance to vote. We are not going to be divided by race. She said not everything's even and that's the thing that we don't understand. Not everything is even at the moment in this country and that's the thing that governments have to work on. But to have a singular race have a voice compared to the rest of it and isolate, that's a divide-and-conquer uh, solution. And as much as all these yes voters have come out and they're ashamed, and well, I, I think Australians, over 70% of Queenslanders, spoke from the heart. They love our country. A lot of the Indigenous electorates voted no. In North Queensland and in the Northern Territory, David, it was overwhelming no vote from their own people. Yeah. Mate, look, um, there was two reasons why the Nationals got to our position. One was, as I said earlier, about the fact that this was a failed model that we had before in terms of representative body. But the second key tenant uh, reason why the Nationals oppose this is that we believe all 26 million of us are equal, no matter your race, no matter your religion. And proudly, all 26 million of us have 227 voices in the Australian Parliament through the House of Representatives and through the Senate. And proudly, our nation's elected 11 Indigenous Australians, not to represent Indigenous Australians, but to represent all 26 million of us. Uh, and I think that is something that we forget, that we should be so proud as a nation, that we, no matter your race or religion, you can get elected to this Parliament if it's on hard work. It's on effort, and I think all 11 that are here, whether I agree with them or not, uh, are here because they've worked hard like I had to and anyone else that wants to get here will have to. Uh, and I think that's a key tenet that I think is worth defending as our nation. Yeah. Where there is need, where there is disadvantage, it should, be, it should be predicated on need, not on race, about how we fix that. Because there's, there's uh, other families of all sorts of races in this country that are disadvantaged as well. And they sh- our country's always made sure that there's a there's a safety net, there's a backstop there to help them, but there's mutual obligation. If you, it's not a right to get Australian taxpayers' money. It's a privilege, and with that comes responsibility to also help lift yourself out when you get that support. And uh, that's that's important, and that's how we should treat every Australian, uh, that the opportunity is the same, the support is the same, uh, and as a nation, uh, that has served us well and should remain the key tenant that drives and keeps our country together. There is a real divide at the moment, even in this state and in this country, because if you look at your electorate, the Maranoa, delivered the highest vote in the country, the highest no vote in the country. But two towns within the massive region also delivered the highest yes votes in the state. Now... I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how you look at that. But, you know, when you talk about Maranoa, 84.7%, uh, but the polling booth with the highest vote um, of voice proposal is a small town of Yetman in, in northern New South Wales. It saw 96.3% of its population 
with a no vote. Now, the second highest rejection, right, um, was Delaca, right, 95%, and only six people out of 120 voting yes. Okay, but in Maranoa, Mungandai saw 91% of the population vote yes, right, and and eighty and in Kalani, 87.2%. How do you work yeah, this that's out? Been, that's, been that? that's been that's actually an error by the Australian Electoral Commission. They've actually been rectified. Right. Those individual booths, they were input incorrectly. Right. Uh, we raised that uh, yesterday. So uh, it's a good point, Dobbo. That because um, that's that, in the that, paper that, today. That's in the paper today, yeah. and I read that, and I was like, "What is going on here?" So what, what's happened there, Dave? The, the AEC simply put the uh, recorded them in the wrong column. As simple as that, um, and that uh, they've now so Kalani that. and Mungandai, I would have thought, would have one hundred percent been vote no vote. So it's ninety one percent for Mungandai and eighty seven percent for Kalani. So that's a mistake. So that, that is a, a pure mistake by the AEC, and it was it was very stark. Uh, and as soon as we saw it, uh, we could see that there was an issue, and that's why yesterday we got in touch with the AEC to to go and check it, and they checked it and they rectified it. Yeah, and and that's the big thing about it. Okay. We're going to take a break. I want to talk about moving forward in a second. David Littleproud joining us this morning on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, It is Monday morning, the 16th of October. David Littleproud joins us this morning, um, member for Maranoa, leader of the National Party. David, on Saturday night I was watching Sky and I watched the coverage that you were on and I was absolutely blown away by the Prime Minister and all of the Labor Party blaming Peter Dutton, yourself, and anybody who was in opposition to this voice as the reason it went down. Um, How do we get some ownership, firstly, from the Prime Minister, but secondly, how do we move forward from here? Yeah, and and mate, look, um, no referendum is won without bipartisan support. Um, and and that that means that the prime minister uh, should have actually undertaken a process of engagement to ensure that there was uh, there was bipartisan support on this before he took it to the Australian people. Uh, the only reason there was a referendum is not because Indigenous Australians uh, forced it on him; it's because he made the decision. He is the prime minister; the buck stops with him. Uh, it is his decision to to hold a referendum and the question that's being put. He is the one that brought it to Parliament. The question and the timing was all his. So there is no one else that's accountable uh, bar the Prime Minister on this, but there shouldn't be any guilt to any Australian about how they voted or what the result is. That's this beautiful thing called democracy, and we should protect that at any cost because the Australian people always get it right. We've already been trying to work here around making sure that we where we haven't closed the gap, we can, and, and we've had uh, an attempt to try and get a Senate inquiry out for understanding where the money uh, the Australian taxpayer is paying to close the gap is being spent, how we're holding it accountable uh, and, and making sure that the programs work. But that's been thwarted by the Prime Minister and the Labor Party every time we put that into the Senate. So, you know, we're prepared to, to continue to work. I think there is generosity of spirit and support of the Australian taxpayer for many years. Uh, we have continued to try and Make, it, make sure that we, we close the gap. Uh, but uh, there ha- it can't be this self-righteousness that they're the only ones that know. Uh, we don't know all the answers either, but we, we should try and find them, and that's why every mechanism should be taken uh, into account and should be looked at. And Unfortunately, we hope that the Prime Minister, they're in government. We're not in government. We don't make the decisions, but we're hoping 
that they'll they'll take our hand and, and try and make real changes where we can and work collectively with that. Particularly when you've got 11 Indigenous Australians in this parliament that can give lived experience and particularly uh, Senator Napa Jimper Price who lives in rural and remote Unbelievable. territory. Unbelievable. What a show of strength it was by her. What a show of strength. The, 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 the thing I understood and what I got from on Saturday night was uh, Senator Price... Cinder Price's family, just wonderful. But how out of touch Linda Burney was and why the advice that we were getting of her. Like, I mean, seriously, she's only spoken to the ABC in this whole time. Um, and it was delusional in some ways, the, some of the ways she was going. I can understand that they're disappointed, but why wouldn't they have sold it? It's because they actually didn't know all the detail to me, David, and that was the big issue. They couldn't sell the own referendum, and that was the thing. Yeah, uh, and look, uh, Linda Burney, uh, if you put her in comparison to her shadow, the shadow minister, Senator Napa Jimper Price, uh, they're poles apart. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Linda's a, a great person. I uh, started in Parliament with her yeah. in 2016, but that doesn't make her a good minister. That doesn't mean that she understands things, but she's genuinely a, a great person. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, this whole thing, this whole thing was flawed from the start. They didn't even want to give the details to the Australian people. All they said was it was a representative body. Uh, the Prime Minister uh, and Linda Burney were prepared to bring the legislation because I'm back in Canberra today. What the plan was, was we were going to come back today and we were going to start to devise what the voice was going to look like. Now, the Prime Minister couldn't bring the Australian people into his trust to show them. It's not... The politicians shouldn't have decided what the, how the mechanism of this should have worked. It's the Australian people. It's their constitution. That's what we're asking them to change. And yet he wasn't prepared to actually even tell them the mechanics of this, that we were going to work through, the parliament was going to work through. And he said, oh, we could have done that in a bipartisan way. No, how parliament works is whoever's got the majority gets the way they want it. Um, so there, was no going to, there wasn't going to be a kumbaya moment here. But he wasn't prepared to tell the parliament. He wasn't prepared to tell the Australian people the actual mechanics of this thing. And so um, that was more about political strategy more than anything else. Uh, but it's backfired, and it's backfired because the Australian people are not mugs. Uh, if they don't like something, they don't trust something, then they don't support uh, what they're being asked to, to look at. So what happens today? Stop the blame. Stop Anthony Albanese has got to stop the blame. What happens now? How do we get as one? <coughs> How do we make some of these organisations? And it was a really good point what Peter Dutton said on Saturday night. There is a lot of funding going to a lot of people in the cities that isn't seeing the regions. How yeah. do we swing the clock so it's in the right well, direction? Well, this is exactly why we've been asking for this Senate inquiry to actually work through. I mean, we know to the postcode where the disadvantage is, but yet we're continuing to funnel money into, into parts of the country where there is no disadvantage, uh, where we have closed the gap. And where we have closed the gap, we should stop that financial support and we should let Australians get on with their jobs of, of contributing to society uh, in a constructive way, which they, in, in many cases, in most cases, are. So this is where, you know, then this needs to be some real action and understanding about uh, devising the programs at local levels, taking them away where they've worked and there's no need for them any longer, and making sure that there is accountability of, of uh, the money that, that the Australian taxpayers pay. That's what the Nationals will continue to say, we just need some common sense, and that's what we'll be bringing here to Canberra this week and hope that the Prime Minister will at least listen. 
Unbelievable. I can't get over that we got to this point. I really can't get over that we got to this point, David. That's the sad thing about it. I, I, I feel like it's an injustice on everybody and I know that I know that you no doubt you know have had a strong position but as an Australian I'm disappointed that we even had to go down this road and I don't know how we recover or you know some people are saying we're the laughing stock I, I, I just think that that's unfair I think we should never been put in the position to choose I think the government are out of touch and this does huge 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 uh, has massive implications for his leadership, in my opinion, out at the Albanese. I don't think he can be sustainable as the Prime Minister, and I think a lot of people know exactly now what kind of Prime Minister that we are dealing with, and one that is out of touch. Yeah, mate. And look, uh, I think you'll find that there will be uh, internal discussions within the Labor Party today uh, about Anthony Albanese. He's He's effectively wasted 16 months uh, on this, wasted $400 million of Australian taxpayers' money uh, on on what was a pipe dream that he wanted to have his Gough Whitlam moment, and yeah. he's he's failed. Uh, and I think there'll be serious questions about his judgment. Uh, I think the Australian people uh, will have serious questions about his judgment in that he is... He's focused on ideology rather than the practical reality of what, what's important to Australians at the moment. That's cost of living. Yeah. Uh, all he's done in 16 months is drive up people's cost of living and now divide our country. So uh, we need leadership. We're not going to, to, to turn our back on anything constructive he may bring forward. If it's a good idea, we're not going to wait for the next election to try and uh, get into government. We'll support it now. But he needs to focus on the Australian people, uh, which he hasn't done for 16 months. But I suspect there'll be some... Very serious conversations uh, around the halls today and this week uh, in the Labor Party ring. How do you defect, deflect the blame? Like, how does that, and I mean that, like the blame that that continues to get heaped on the LNP, how does that stop and change? Oh, well, that's a reflection of the Prime Minister. Let's be honest. He is the Prime Minister of this country. The buck stops with him. It doesn't, it, no one else is to blame. Uh, this was his proposition that he put to the Australian people. He made every determination. There's no one to blame. There's not, Indigenous Australians aren't to blame. It was their idea. didn't matter. It was their idea. But he's the Prime Minister of this country for all Australians. Uh, and it was his determination to bring this forward, not anyone else's. And if he can't, if he doesn't have the, the strength of character to admit that he got it wrong uh, and acknowledge it rather than to try to say, oh, we needed bipartisan support, well, he caught, everyone knew that, um, and, and he still ignored it. So this sticks with the Prime Minister. It's just sad that he hasn't had the courage of conviction to say, uh, this all uh, sits with me. But uh, if he does, I'll give him credit. Yeah, unbelievable. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, it's a busy, busy day in Canberra, and I really appreciate off the back of Saturday how busy you've been and how much work you've had to do giving me some time on Rural this morning. Mate, we will be on the plane together um, on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to uh, yeah. catching up with you as we go to the Baku uh, Beef Breeders Ball um, in Tambo. So we'll be looking forward to that. You'll be in Tambo along with Craig Price, myself, the Wagners, and Ben Maher. So I'm looking forward to that. Yep, yeah, me too, mate. Looking forward to get back to some good country. All right, we'll catch up then. Cheers, David Little Proud. Uh, thanks, thanks so mate. much for being with us. Welcome back to rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. I um. Haven't got to this last week, but gee whiz, I'm concerned. The Queensland government sent a media release out late last week 
An expert panel has found Queensland's approach to sustainable managing native vegetation is strong. The panel has made 10 recommendations to further enhance vegetation management. So these recommendations have been accepted or accepted in principle, all 10 recommendations, and I thought it would be amiss if we didn't look at this. The Palaszczuk government will enhance its management of native vegetation in Queensland following independent reviews. The expert panel was established in March 22 to review the land clearing data following the release of the statewide land cover and tree study back in 2018-19. Now, the independent expert panel, led by Queensland Chief Scientist Hugh Possingham, was tasked to identifying positive solutions in relative to native vegetation management. The panel found while Queensland Government's approach to sustainably managing native vegetation is strong, there are opportunities for improvement. Panel made 10 recommendations that will enhance the implementation of the existing native vegetation management framework, further support landholders to take advantage of emerging carbon and neutral capital market opportunities. Here we go again. Here we go again. The recommendations include maintaining regulatory stability, launching an environmental stewardship program, enhancing carbon market opportunities and better regional planning. Well, they don't do any of that. Leanne Lennard. The Palaszczuk government introduced robust responsible vegetation laws to protect our valuable environment habitats at the Great Barrier Reef. Recently released tree clearing data shows these laws are working. 70% reduction in regulated vegetation clearing over three years. Except if you're renewable. You allow a solar farm 70 kilometres away from the Great Barrier Reef. A wind farm on 4,000 hectares just north of Rockhampton. Now, how the expert panel has identified opportunities to enhance our laws and set out the path towards harmonised approach of native vegetation in Queensland that engages and recognises this is all crap. The Palaszczuk government will continue to work closely with landholders to improve the resilience of our regional ecosystems, maintaining and improving food and fibre security. So they're going to allocate $9.8 million over four years to enhance compliance. Ag Minister... Mark Ferner, who is legless, who absolutely is a puppet, we have already stay, started work to implement the plan panel's recommendations through recently released programs as the Queensland Low Emission Agricultural Roadmap. We've offered 2.3 to update Carbon Farming Act vice schemes and enhance Queensland's reputation as a reliable supplier of clean, sustainable agricultural products. Now, the Resource Minister, Scott it's also a responsible vegetation laws to protect our valuable environment, habitats and Great Barrier Reef. We are committed to the framework that protects it. Why are you allowing, and I mean this, why are you allowing to have things happen so close to the Great Barrier Reef and tree clearing? Because you've got one set of rules for renewables and you've got one set of rules for farmers. That is the bottom line, and it's always been the case, unfortunately. It is worrying, it is concerning, it is a place of real disaster that they continue to go down this road, this government. Yet we all hear about it and we all continue to believe that they are doing the right thing. This government has to go. They are, in a lot of ways detrimental to the long-term prospects of our state. The state has lost all respect. The state has lost complete and utter, and I mean that, trust in this government. 
And the sooner it changes, the better. James Johnson, country music singer, will join us next. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you Monday morning, 16th of October, and a lot more to get through. I uh, was really thankful of David Littleproud to come on the show uh, at the top of it. But I can tell you this is a great news story. Today it is officially announced that Queensland-based James Johnson, one of the leading musicians, he is the current number one ARIA album holder and the country's most talented and in-demand stream country artist. And guess what? He's on our show this morning on Rural Queensland Today. His debut album made history. And look, he is touring Queensland. Five regional tours in Queensland and New South Wales. This is huge. Uh, James, good morning, mate. Thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate you giving me some time. And how bloody exciting, mate. Officially, you're going to be doing five regions throughout Queensland and New South Wales, going everywhere, mate. It's awesome. Uh, you must be excited. Mate, it's uh, it was good to be on. Thanks for having me on, and yeah, it was great. Like last night we made the announcement, and um, you know, it's just good to be bringing my show to Queensland. I feel like I've I spent many years travelling up and down the uh, the coast, and from Mount Isa to Townsville, going yeah. everywhere, and uh, to finally be bringing my big show, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty bloody exciting. Mate, I, I love the story, and and let's go back a little bit in time. How did it all begin? Give us give us the James Johnson story i mean we now know and i'm going to talk about the tour date starting you know from wollongong all the way up to the sunshine coast but townsville great western hotel in rockhampton tamworth i'm going to give all that in a second but how did it begin for james johnson so uh i guess i'll i'll give you the snapshot but it, it yeah. goes back pretty far you know i first jumped up on stage when i was only four years old and uh if that didn't set the tone i i was at my local daycare center and everyone else was singing wiggles and I jumped up and I played Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. And I think, <laughs> I love it. you know, that's been a through line for my entire life. You know, if you'd asked me at four years old what I want to be, I said, oh, well, I want to be a country music singer. And uh, that hasn't changed in the last 30 years. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's kind of always been what I've loved. But it's been a, a kind of a long ride to get to where I am sure. now. You know, after, um, after I left school, I just started doing gigs. And I actually spent most of my time around all these regions, you know, I played most of the most of the time. I was up in Queensland, and you know when the uh, kind of the mining boom and everything was kicking off. You know all the little pubs around the area would would kind of get me up there. And I lived in my van for about three years, just travelling between mining towns, playing all these little pubs. And you know most of the time I was playing to five people, and you know I was playing horses and all that sort of stuff. But and that's probably what's got your success. I mean, when you talk about these kind of things, that's the kind of stuff. It's consistency and staying on point. The fact is, you you honed your craft as as tough as it was. That's where you get your game. Your game. So you've got it now, don't you think? Hundred percent. You know, I'm really thankful that I did all those years. And you know, it's not glamorous. You know, I was travelling around a van. I was lugging a PA around, and I'd set up and you know finish off at one o'clock at night, and then load the PA back up into the van and head to the next gig. But I think that just you know, that's it's kind of what they used to do in the eighties, and I don't know if a whole lot of musicians do that anymore. But um, for me, I just I feel like that's where I learnt my craft. And when I finally, you know, started putting out my own music, which was when I, it took me a while, but it was only two and a half years that I released my debut single, Raised Like That. And I guess once I released that and things started to kick off, oh, yeah. you know, I had all those years behind me of just grinding it out in the pubs that you know I could get up there and actually play play my guitar and, and do my thing, you know. 
I mean, first on ARIA Top 20 Australian Albums, all John generous. First on ARIA Top 20 Australian Country Albums, seventh on ARIA Top 50 Albums Charts. I mean, you, you pinch yourself at the moment. Like, in, in all seriousness, success comes to good people and hard work takes a lot and, and it's never easy in your game. It just isn't. And the, the, the thing about it is, though, that we are seeing a real shift. Um, you, you talk about country music now, it's getting played more in the metropolitan areas. We see what Morgan's done and, like, I, I work for Triple M and we share an office with B105 and... I hear more Luke Combs and Morgan on B105 as I walk across the office than I've ever heard, and I go, what's happened? How has this happened? But I, I really think that, that there's been so many – like you talk about Garth, right? You talk about Brooks and Dunn. You talk about the Chicks. You talk about all these phenomenal country music singers that we all grew up with, Toby Keefe, you know, Tim McGraw. They never – if they were playing and just current right now – Mate, that, they are mainstream like yourselves. Like it, it, country music has completely shifted who's listening to it now. It's just not happening for people in Charters Towers or Mount Isa or any of the mining towns. It's very much a global music now. It's it's unbelievable what's happening in country, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, it's been, you know, when you put it down to it, there's been two artists that have really trying to change that needle, which has been Luke Combs and Morgan Wallen, and then. You know, but it but it's been it's just good for everyone. You know, for for, for me now, yeah. there's this whole audience that is listening to country music. You know, I was actually chatting to a couple of the footy boys, and uh, they they were saying oh, down there in Newcastle, all the all the night guys, oh, all they do God. is listen to, to country music. They're, they're just sitting there listening to country. Mate, music. Broncos like, are the that? same. The Broncos are the same. Yeah. You go into any dressing shed post match, and there is country music playing. Well, except for Penrith. Um, but I mean, you know, but I, I mean that Newcastle, but you go to the Broncos, you expect that with the Cowboys, the Titans, the Dolphins, it's all country music and that translates and you can see it at pubs as well. I mean, CMC is already sold out. Now, I, I would say, I would suggest it's the hardest ticket to buy. You've got Crown Water, you've got all these other um, amazing um, concerts taking place and, and they sell out. Now, the fact is you've got a... a unbelievable five concert, uh, five venue tour. So I'm going to go through this. And, and mate, you, you, it, you're making, you're making um, a lot of work for yourself in a very small amount of time. So James <laughs> Johnson has gone. Saturday the 18th of November, you're at Wollongong Entertainment Centre. So you're below Sydney. Now, the 19th, you go from Wollongong, Tamworth Entertainment Centre on the 19th of November. The 23rd of November, oh, a place dear to my heart, the Great Western Hotel Rockhampton. What a joint. Um, uh, at the Great Western on the 23rd of November, 24th of November, Townsville Entertainment Centre, and the 26th of November, I love this, venue 114, Sunshine Coast. So that's huge as well that you're going to be on the Sunshine Coast. You will sell out there. I've got so many friends up there who listen to you, mate. So that's phenomenal as well. So that must be exciting. I mean, you know, you're going on tour again, five venues, you get nervous when you book these? Like, when you work this out, you know, is there a little bit like it? Because, I mean, you're pretty much trying to sell yourself and you've got great music, but you get a bit nervous and go like, oh, geez, this one could be hard. <laughs> or, you know, I'm fascinated in the inside. I get nervous when I get up and have to call a game of footy. I mean, you know, and I'm thinking, gee whiz, who's listening? But, I mean, I wonder when you guys go and announce it, is there always, they're like, geez, I hope it sells. 
I'll tell you, I tell you this, I've barely slept for the last week. So, yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> that's it. absolutely the truth. I get it. And I think the interesting thing is that, you know, a lot of people kind of see what I, my success and all that sort of stuff, but and they often think that we've got a big record label or something behind, but it's not. You know, it's it's my manager and I, we're still fully independent. We back everything ourselves. We Love finance that. everything ourselves. So, you know, when it, when we do something like this, it's, it's, you know, it's my money on the line. And, and I think... I've kind of always believed in the idea that, you know, just go big and if you're not absolutely, you know, <laughs> completely nervous and, you know, freaking out a little bit, you're probably not going big enough. So I think, like, absolutely what we're trying to do is pretty ambitious. There's no doubt about it. And some of these venues, um, you know, are some of the first times that country artists are trying to go in and sell these venues. But, um, you know, sometimes you just got to put yourself on the line and give it a crack. And if it, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But, you know, the thing for me is that, we did a similar thing at um, the Tamworth Entertainment Centre earlier this year, and it was my very first ticketed show. You know, I put it on in January this year, and um, and it was the same feeling. I was absolutely terrified before putting that show on, and we ended up kind of being the biggest ticketed oh, concert it. for that. For that, and we ended up. I think we sold the show out in about fifty six minutes, which was just crazy. And you know, it was the same thing. We just went and and I guess for me, it's like I just I'm just willing to work as hard as. You know, as I have to to kind of make it work, and then and then the show that I want to put on. Like I grew up with listening to a lot of those artists that you mentioned, you know, Garth Brooks and Brooks and Dunn, and my one of my very first concerts was watching a Lee Kernighan concert, and um, legend. You know, he just brought this this energy that I'd never seen before, and I think I remember, especially with Lee, he just I, I watched these concerts, you know, on the telly from, that are coming from America. And then Lee Kernighan put a concert on, and he had that kind of energy, and I guess I kind of want to bring a bit of that into uh, into Australia with this, you know, kind of the new fresh blood a little bit. And I just want to deliver a show that's not what you can just see anywhere. You know, it's the sort of thing that you'd normally have to go to a city to watch. And I want to kind of take those kind of shows out to the regions. So, um, you know, that's been something that I've always believed in. And I guess we're just trying to double down and make it happen. I like the fact, James, and this is honest, that your music's so broad that, you know, my mum who loves country music who's 74 or 5, and you know, my I've got an eighteen-year-old, and it's broad enough that everybody can listen. It, it, it's very, and I say this with so much respect, family-friendly, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. And, um, and I and I think that so it relates to everybody because they're real stories, and you write your music, and 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 they're genuine. So I I just think that I just think that 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 speaks volumes, and I think that resonates with your fans. Well, I appreciate that, and and like I really, that's what I set out to do. You know, I'm I'm a father of two boys, yeah. So um, I, I guess you know, underneath the two, I want to make music that they can listen to, and you know, my little one, he rocks out to my songs, and, and I love seeing that, and you know, and it definitely is when when you come to my concert, you'll see kind of ages that are completely, you know, span the spectrum. You know, there'll be eight year old kids that are just come off the farm that are singing along to my songs, and then you've got, you know, just everyone and every everyone. So um, for me, that's really important. I just want to. I want to make it a celebration. I think my music and what I'm trying to do is just make people proud to feel like they're from the country, feel like they're from the bush, from, feel like they're from a small town and, and they're, they're celebrating those ideas and, and that's really important. And when you come to a concert, you're singing about that and you're singing it loud and, and uh, yeah, I'm really proud that that's what my music represents. Jamesjohnson.com, J-A-M-E-S-J-O-H-N. S-T-O-N, jamesjohnson.com, um, and you can go to his Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. He's global. Uh, Saturday the 18th of November, Sunday, that's in Wollongong, Sunday the 19th of November in Tamworth, 
the 23rd of November at the Great Western Hotel in Rockhampton, 24th of November in Townsville Entertainment Centre, and the 26th of November, venue 114 Sunshine Coast. James, mate, we'll, we'll talk to you anytime you want to come on this show. Uh, we love your music. You're a superstar, mate, and you grind and you do it yourself, and that's what I like the most about it, you, you, you know, and, and you stay humble. So really appreciate it. Hope it goes well. We'll talk to you a bit closer to that in uh, a little over a month's time just to pump it up a more. People want to go online. They can go online. They can buy it on your website, buy tickets, uh, and it, it's a very, very – enjoyable concert and when people get the opportunity to see somebody before Christmas like this I think it's pretty special thanks so much for being with us appreciate you having me on man good on you man well that's it for us here on Monday morning the 16th of October hope you've enjoyed the show I certainly have David Littleproud giving us some time this morning and that Jack Johnson how good Lots to get through as well. Bill McDonald joins you next. Um, obviously, there's a lot still going on around The Voice. He'll be talking about that and much, much more. Enjoy your day. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time, from myself and all the team here at the Resonate Broadcast Network, we'll see you again tomorrow morning from 9. Bye for now.